0: Good afternoon, Codmasters. Dave and No Phil.
1: I know. We're a man down. We're a, well, at this present time, we're a man down, but we might not be a man down. Let's see where we get to. How are you doing, yeah. pal? You okay? Are you good? You good? You
0: know what? I am good. I've been everybody says this, don't they? Proper busy, man You know. January a bit quiet. And then February, March. What's going on? The world's gone bonkers. I need to clone myself. How about you? I'm alright, mate, I'm alright,
1: yeah. Yeah. As I always say, mates, standard operations, pottering on, bit of this, bit of that. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, good.
0: Well, it, it's good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. So Phil's not here, but it's last not, minute.
1: We've got an incredible standing. You've brought along one of your crew, Andy. You brought a, one, one, of your, <laughs> one of your posse members. Wow, I won't go that
0: far. Dave, can I introduce you to you, my new friend, Richard? Hi, Richard.
1: Hi there. Hi, hi, Dave. Hi, everyone. Hello, Richard, Andrew's new friend. <laughs> yeah, it's great. To be Good here. to have you, mate. Good to have you. So,
0: um, I, I think I need to do a little bit of explaining just to make a little bit more. You do, sense mate. Of this. We need
1: some background. Give us some background.
0: Bit of background. So. um... When I say friend, I mean, we've literally spoken once, you know, so... And, and I was I was a complete fanboy when I had this conversation. So let me explain a little bit more. So people who listen to this podcast know I'm a, I've gone a little bit addicted to running. I kind of overdo it a little bit. And it's my journey back in to sanity. So that was me going from completely on the brint, almost wanting to end my own life, to finding running, to raise awareness for suicide prevention. Now I'm doing charity runs all the time and I want to do it all the time. So anyway, long story short... A mate of mine, a mentor called David, cool name for a mentor that like Dave.
1: I bet he's a proper cool geezer.
0: He is. He lives in Lancashire as well, you know, so he's... he's um, Lancashire he's, he's, Dave. Yeah, Lancashire Dave. He's probably, he's probably listening to this recording. Anyway, I was at an event and he, and he put this book in my hand and it was, it was called Feet in the Clouds. I don't know what to say about it because it's fell running. Because well, isn't that like an oxymoron? Don't you want to stand up? You don't want to fall over when you're running, don't you? Because I had no idea what fell running was. Because just read it and tell me what you think. I read it. I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. What a book! Anyway, to your left, as I'm looking now, is the author of that said book, Richard Asquith. So, hi, Richard. Hi there.
2: Hi. Um, thank you very much for asking me on. It's great. Great to be here. Happy days. So, um, I was a, a bit embarrassed when I talked to people from further north than me about fell running because I'm. You can probably tell I'm a southerner, <laughs> and so I shouldn't really be up on the fells at all. But I did spend an awful lot of my life up there, up in Cumbria mainly, and that did eventually form this book, Feet in the Clouds.
0: So that that book's described as a as a cult classic now. When I when I read online, a cult classic. How does that yeah. feel?
2: I don't really know. I don't really know what it means, actually. I, but I mean, the the old thing about Feet in the Clouds was it came out about twenty years ago, and when it first came out, it was like considered really weird, and the publishers couldn't sell it at all. They had to sort of just get it, you know. I think those Pete Sports used to sell it out of the back of their van at fell races, and that was about it. Because, really? Yeah, yeah, they used to go to bookshops and say, I've got this book about fell running. And they'd say, mm-hmm. well, well, don't understand. How could have a book about fell running? That's bonkers. But then gradually, you know, it turned out that not just, you know, the hardcore fell running community, who were pretty small back in those days, but, mm. you know, it sort of seemed to strike a chord with a whole lot of runners and people more like me, the sort of, you know, soft southerners who wanted a bit more adventure in their life or just sort of felt there must be more more to running than just sort of going around in circles or you know pounding the tarmac and so it sort of gradually picked up and i guess i, I and mean, i think that's probably what people mean when they use the word cult i mean yeah. i've sort of misspelt it or something but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, it sort of starts off slowly but some people be- some people like it and you know they just gradually spreads by word of mouth yeah I, I didn't realize that. I
0: just—it's one of the questions that one of my friends wants to ask you, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a proper later. But how does that happen? You know, just you, you just get this, and almost like this romanticized theory that you're a great author, and then you you write something, and then a book publisher goes, "Yeah, we're going to sell a million copies of this." So it, it literally was just penned, and
2: then nobody wanted to buy it. Or? Uh, no, what, no. I mean, what what happened was I I spent. I, know, I mean. I've, I was about forty when I wrote it, or something like that. So you know, I spent decades of my life thinking, just earning my living as a journalist, thinking I really want to be an author one day, but and never quite had the commitment or the or the belief to do it. And I was always sort of starting things and stopping things, and you know, had drawers full of discarded manuscripts and things like that. And then one day I sort of thought, well, you know, they say you know, write what you know, you know, write what's really been important to you. And yeah, I'd spent the last ten years filling my every moment of my free time with fell running and you know that had been the thing that really my thoughts have been focused on for so long so i thought i'll start try writing a bit about that and then purely by coincidence i found this very small publisher found me and said i'm looking for an author who you know i just not know anyone who knows anything at all about fell running because he discovered it and thought it was quite interesting and so it just sort of came together like that and then you know gradually since then i've written quite a few other books as well
0: yeah, so so was it was it a plan to become an author? I mean, I don't want this to feel like an interview; just feel like a <laughs> chat because Dave and I talk about this regularly. And, and Phil, we talk about. I mean, we just do stuff sometimes, and then it happens, and you know. So was was that? You, you know, he you gets around forty. I'm a journalist, but I want to be an author when I grow up. Was it that kind of feeling?
2: I think I think you find actually most most journalists have this idea that you know I'm a journalist, but I want to be an author. There's a, there's a famous cartoon I think once well, of. You know, two journalists sitting in a pub together, and one says to the other, "I'm writing a novel," and the other one says, "Nor am I." You know, so that's that's the <laughs> thing. That I think everyone in all walks of life, you have this sort of vague idea that you could have a better version of yourself, but somehow you just never quite get round to it. And that's you know, that's a sort of running thing as well. That you know, I and mean, it's just interesting hearing you talking about how you got into running because you know when I started running in my twenties, my life was a total mess and I you know every day I'd wake exactly. up and think you know I've got to sort myself out this has got to stop and and then gradually you know one day one day I thought well, I'll just go out and, you know so desperate I just thought I'll go out for runners in the middle of the night and you know just ran around the park once and then somehow that led to another time a week later and then yeah you know, maybe twice a week and then yeah you know, it just gradually builds up and you realize that even though it's a very small and limited thing you are you can sort of control that bit of your life. You can make a slightly better version of yourself or, you know, start to become more like the person you you want to be. Because I think most of us spend or well, maybe it's just me, but I think most of us spend an awful lot of our lives just feeling a bit ashamed of ourselves almost, you know, but I could have done a bit more with all I've had and this is all I've done. But then, you know, all we can do is do our best. And, you know, I think that's why I like runners as such a great company because, you know, every runner is someone, whether, you know, Olympic champion, or you know, someone a couch the 5K person—we're all just trying to do a bit better. Mm,
0: yeah, it definitely resonates with me. Does that resonate with you as well, Dave?
1: Yeah. Oh my word. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, maybe it's a bit similar to Andy's story with regards to why I got back in running. Got me back into exercise, but running, in its first instance, for me was more therapy i'm more from a mental state over the physical state uh, and even now it still is i it, it you know and and it's also something that is very very easy to do the hardest thing with running is get is just stepping out the door yeah. and start yeah, exactly. yeah once you've started yeah you know you you're on the move then and it i mean i don't meditate as in such i'll sit around and meditate or anything like that. but i feel i do when i'm running you know the as soon as I start running, you start to get that pace. And then instantly, I'm one, two, one, two. And you know, and it, you get the breathing going. And then, depending on the terrain and how far I'm out, how long I've been out for, that'll adjust the counting that sits with it. But a run for me, for the first hour at least, is just my subliminal part of my head. Just t- it's really weird. It's just making sense of things. And I'll be even got. I, what I, have I started thinking about that? Or how have I got to here? After about an hour, an hour and a half, it's like, oh, yeah. holy shit, I'm running I'll be back in the shower i wow. having my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's interesting that. I, I, I get it. And it, there's, there's a point when you stop thinking about the pain of running and it just happens, isn't it? It's just, it, I, I, I thought this was just a theory. You know, people talk about this fault law of runners high genuinely i I didn't think it was a thing until i got it
2: oh yeah yeah and it's i mean so it's not just the i mean when i first started running people used to talk about runners high and that was you know you pushed yourself till you're about to collapse and then (laughs) you got the endorphins afterwards because that pain was over But i think there's a much sort of what you're describing is what i experience every day it's much more gentle sort of just well-being of getting into a natural rhythm and sort of you know connecting with the uh under your feet and, yeah, I mean, your mind just sort of sorts itself out, really. It's like sort of, you know, yeah, sh- shaking work. the bottle before you open it or something like that, isn't it?
0: So. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. First time I met Dave face-to-face, I don't even remember this conversation, I think I'd just started doing running. I mean, I think I'd just done a part run and was crap, and I'd just signed up for a charity, charity run. What are you up to this weekend then, Dave? And he goes, oh, I'm just going to do uh, an ultra. What? (laughs) remember you telling us that I'm 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 going to do an ultra have you been training for it Eh,
1: not really what do you remember that can I just say I tried I I, I tried to do an ultra I knew I knew it would be the furthest I've ever run and it was it was across it was cross country and it was non-marked and unsupported the good thing was I was doing it with two guys who had run it before one was an ultra runner and one's an ex ex, ex ex-marine I knew I'd be in good hands but I just wanted to see how far I could actually get, you know. And so I didn't complete it, but I probably got to like the late twenties. I think maybe it's an age thing. The the thing that stopped me was and I've got it now, you know, things hurt and things niggle. And over a certain distance it it's distance, it's my knees with me. And it was the pain was coming not going uphill, was coming downhill. Yeah. that's one of the that, things that that, that, that yeah. got into me. But it's it's still to this day is the furthest I've ever run, but in my own head I'm going. I feel like I'm at a stage where I'm
2: like, what's next? Do, do you know what I mean? Anyway? So that's that's a great that's such a great state of mind to be in. I mean, you know, you know it's very easy to get you know, be somewhere in the middle of life and you're not thinking what's next. But to me, yeah, you know, if you as long as you're thinking whatever it is, if you're thinking what's next, what's the next big thing, and you've got some dream ahead of you, yeah, you know, that's that puts you in a really healthy place, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah,
0: I, I get that. I, I think that's that's kind of where I've gone to that, that addiction has gone to new levels. It's like it was half marathon, then it was, I wonder if I could do a marathon, and then why not do triathlon? Why not just do an Ironman? I'm like, like, holy shit, before you know it, I'm doing, I'm doing part run to Ironman. It's just stupid.
1: You've, you've definitely gone to that next level, and I think, Andy, from your perspective, you're also, you run... And you also sweat all the details. I'm sort of the opposite, me, uh, from a detail perspective. It, it's how long have I been out for, and how far have I gone. Whereas Andy, I think you're very competitive with yourself, as in literally yeah, like, definitely. or you know, quicker, longer. You, do, do you know what I mean? Well, well, this this
0: is this is probably why Richard. That's why he probably won't because as I've kind of as I've kind of gone older, I'm thinking I don't want to believe that because my body's getting older that I should get slower. And it's something I've read in many books. It's like, we just need to accept the older we get, the slower we get. And I'm like, screw that. I want to get, I want to work, (laughs) I want to work out all the science behind this. You know, is my cadence right? Is my foot strike right? So I I, I, I overthink and overanalyze absolutely everything. And I love the running free concept. of just let's just do it and see what happens. You know, time and distance is all I need. But sometimes I I want want numbers. I want to know, can I do this better? You know? And and so, so where this, where this led to is like this, you know, this, I don't know. It's not denial that I'm getting older. Cause obviously we accept that we talk about this a lot about getting older. And that's what the whole point of the podcast is. we learn a lot. we learn a lot. And want to share a lot about as we, as we get older, we go through midlife, we share it with other people. We talk about these things. I don't, I don't want to get old. You know, screw it. I'm not, I'm, you know, Fifty odd now, but I still think like a twenty-year-old. And I, I genuinely, when I'm when I'm on the track with people, I'm thinking, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how fit you are. I'm still going to do my best to try and beat you. I don't want just, to just <laughs> stop. stop it. It. I'm <laughs> still. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm as far as I'm concerned. I'm um, I'm Steve Orvet on the track. In my head, I'm Steve Orvet when I run around the track. i never will be because the only one Steve Orvet. <laughs> so that's so that's where the book came from when I saw the book on uh, on Amazon, A Race Against Time. I'm like great set of books already by Richard this is about as far as I understand it's like the aging athlete saying you know what I'm not too old to, to be a runner so that's why I got the book in fact I got the audio box I thought what well, time to read it so I'll have to stick it on in the car and it was done within a few days and I just it it was absolutely compelling because it was the right audio book at exactly the right time for me going everything hurts but I refuse to believe that I'm going to get old and get injured (laughs) so listen to this book and i'm like unbelievable i sent a message to richard saying you know love your book we do a podcast would you want to come on and unbelievably i expected no response yeah love to so thank you again i know it's a bit late to to, to to say (laughs) thank you so so that i mean that that that's my motivation behind it what was your motivation behind writing that book
2: well I'll give you a very long, rambling, roundabout answer to that, and you can always interrupt <laughs> me if you get bored. <laughs> just, You're just on the right podcast with, for that. When you were talking about the two <laughs> different, two, <laughs> yes, yeah, so you've got two different styles of running. You've got the sort of just go out, you know, run for as long as it takes, and see what time it is when so I go back. Oh, you've got your approach, Andy, which is the sort of you know, monitor everything, measure everything. What I've found was 20 years ago, I wrote Feet in the Clouds. That was about Fell running beauty of the mountains, nature, that sort of thing, but also it's very much about trying to achieve things in races, you know your times mattered, if you hung around at the top of a mountain, admiring the view, you wouldn't get the time you wanted I was very very outcome focused then I then wrote another book about very you know about ten years later, something like that, which was I suppose you would call it my middle age book, this is about being in my forties. I decided that I was getting slower I didn't really care what i'd you know I'd wasted a hell i you know I'd, I'd used up a lot of time I could have been spending on my family, just trying to get my achieve things as a runner. I was now much more into just running for well being and it, and so this was a book about how well partly it was a book just about going out every day in in the fields. I'm very lucky I live in the sort of remote bit of Northamptonshire. I just go out in the fields every day when back then I had a dog and my dog would run with me, and it was all about just you know threw away my watch I threw away my running shoes I just went out and did what the spirit took me as it were and running free was a book about that and I reckoned that this was doing me good because I had no idea how fast I was going or you know anything like that but I was really enjoying my running and you know in my 40s getting into my 50s you know I'd get people my age saying oh you must have so much willpower to go running every day and I was thinking you know it's not willpower I it's my daily treat is to go for a run every day. You know, I'd be upset if I couldn't do it. It's like, you know, having a bar of chocolate or something like that. So that sort of saw me quite well through my 40s, early 50s. Then I found that I started getting injured. It was, I mean, it all sort of started off and I suddenly went back on road and did a race and that sort of resulted in an injury. And then one thing led to another. And I started finding that I was not only getting slower slower, but getting a much much worse runner and you know i could feel that i wasn't running as well things were starting to hurt more i was going to see therapists and they'll say you know one physio said well you know there isn't really a cause for this you're just older your, your body's not as strong as it used to be <laughs> um and i found that really depressing and, and and at one point i remember you know i must be nearly 60 at this point and i had yet another injury i was really depressed i thought oh, it's gonna be weeks before i can run again i remember my sister saying to me well look Maybe you're too old to be a runner. Maybe you should just, you know, face facts and, you know, do something else. That, I was really gutted by that. I thought, yeah, this is awful. Because for me, running has had become this sort of, you know, lifeline to, to well-being and, and general peace of mind. So I thought, you know, it's been such a gift to my life and, you know, it's just such a general force for good. I, I don't want to lose this. Do I really have to? So that's when I started just looking around and I, you know, it didn't. Initially, it started off as a book. It was just you know, me trying to find out what does happen as your body gets older. Is there anything I can do? do you have, does everyone give up when they're 60 and say, well, and then gradually, you know, I got talking to a publisher who was publishing another book and, and it became a book. And when I started doing it, it was very much just going to be a sort of answering the practical scientific questions of what do I have to do to keep running? Because it turns out that, you know, loads and loads of people run in their 40s. I think most runners, a majority of runners are now over 40. But you get to sort of retirement age I'm now sixty two by the time you get to sixty five most of those over forties will have given up. yeah, you know, they've stopped, and why is it? Is it because they didn't really like running in the first place i I don't believe that. I think it's that you know people go through the same thing that I was going through that it just all starts to hurt more. You start to have more problems, you get injured more often. you yeah you know, when you do get injured, <laughs> yeah. it takes longer to get better, and then you know, you come back and you're a bit weaker. And then you sort of find your your confidence goes as well. Now I remember there's what there was one run I particularly remember where I was sort of on Dartmoor with a bunch of mostly much younger runners, and it was that we went on this long run, and I was not only I was sort struggling to keep up, but not only that I was just suffering in a way I never had before. I was thinking, God, it's cold. I don't like it. My knees are hurting. My you know, my ankles are hurting. Everything I, don't, I and I've just become a sort of total weed, really. You know, and and. <laughs> And so again, I sort of wanted to see if there was anything I could do about it. And you know, it turned out that there was well, there were things I could do about it. But what I then found was that a book that had started the original plan was sort of just to do a, a practical guide. You know, these are the scientific secrets, the medical secrets, the coaching secrets. I then discovered this amazing world of of people who run in later life. I mean, I technically most of it's called Masters Athletics, but really it was a sort of whole Broad world of people who they've got in master athletes competitions, people who run marathons, half marathons, park runs, all through their 60s, their 70s, their 80s, their 90s, over 100. And, and some of them are un- unbelievably good. I mean, that was a really scary thing, was sort of entering this world where I could try and run a 10K. And I was thinking, God, if I really push myself, I might be able to beat the women's over 80 world record or something. <laughs> I mean <laughs> <laughs> And it's so incredible. basically it became a book about that. It became a book about the whole idea of like life running. And once I had discovered that world, the old thing I found was that I sort of just sort of fell in love with that world. It sort of really excited me. I don't. I mean I don't know if you ever had the experience when you were young of sort of watching the Olympics and thinking, yeah well actually you're saying Steve Overt, you know, I want to be like that. And yeah, you, know, you can't really be like that or I you know there's no slightest chance of me becoming an olympian but you still watch the olympics and you think yeah that's that i want a bit of that and i found watching these old people you know these people in their 70s and 80s and 90s out there playing living life to a full suddenly that made the idea of getting old suddenly seem a bit more attractive i'm sorry to go on and on but just the one other thing that behind no. underlined this book was that When you get to that sort of midlife stage as a runner, you're sort of what I think of as a runner's midlife crisis and you're in your 50s or your 60s, whatever it is, you suddenly find your body keeps letting you down. That also tends to be a phase of life when, you know, it's a a wider crisis that's going on because, you know, so many things happen in middle age, you know, maybe, you know, you lose loved ones, you know, older loved ones or people, your friends around you start getting ill or having problems. yeah, you know, maybe your employment prospects suddenly get a bit worse or something like that. Even without being a runner, people experience midlife crises. And when you sort of combine the two and you think my body's letting me down and, and you know the world doesn't want me anymore, then suddenly you think, Well, is that it? You know, is it all over? And it's nothing to look forward to anymore. And that that ultimately for me was the sort of heart of the book that became The Race Against Time was the idea of finding a way to go from just looking back Regretfully, and thinking I'm over the hill, as it were, to, to suddenly looking forward, hopefully, and thinking, Well, I might be over that hill, but look, here's a whole load more hills up ahead, and th- let's focus on them instead. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Love it.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's almost, a, for me, it was a book of hope, and, and that's what it was. It's, and, and as you as you explained there, it's like the, the depression that comes with, and I use that word very carefully, there's a depression that comes with an acceptance that I'm not getting any younger. And it takes me longer to recover when I get injured. And when I can't run, I'm a horrible person. You know, if, mm-hmm. if, I, if I go yes. two or three days without running, I'm my mood changes completely. And I apologize to Dickie all the time. Like I'm in a bad mood because I can't go out and do something, you know, so then I'll swim or cycle, which I do triathlons as well, but my heart's it's in not, running. Not, there's, yeah. there's more freedom in that. Mm-hmm. But it's a book for me. That was a book of hope because what I started to, to read it for or listen to it for was to, Get some tips and tricks. You know mm-hmm. what's yeah, what's sure, the science yeah. behind yeah. behind mm-hmm. that. But what I what I heard was this: as you said, I fell in love with this like this next chapter almost. It's like wow, mm-hmm. this is something to embrace. So for mm-hmm. me, it's a book of hope because as we age, it's like we don't have to go. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm parking running. I'll do something else like knitting or crochet yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. or
2: carpet or, yeah. or golf. Or I don't yeah. know.
0: Yeah, something. Yeah. But actually, I don't, I don't want to stop running ever. You know, I, the, when I stop running, my life will be completely different, and I, I don't want that. So for me, it was hope. And a friend, a friend I run with, uh, right and road runners. Shout out to those people at right and road runners who love these guys. My friend, my friend, <coughs> <laughs> my, my, friend uh, my friend Barry. He's probably just a little bit older than you. And I want to say, you don't, lo- you do not look like you're in your sixes. I'm being honest. What do you reckon, Dave?
1: <laughs> a I never. I, I didn't. I, I, didn't I, I didn't know how old you were, mate. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Fair play. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. My mate
0: Barry. He's um, he's a member of the Northern Masters. He runs for Ryan Runners. Right, right. And and last year he 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 won loads of stuff. And he's so modest. You know, he would not You wouldn't know about it. And he went. Hang on a second. I saw on a website that you won something. Northern Masters. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I won. I won the. Uh, I won the five k. Three k. How'd you get on? <laughs> went well, went well. So, I read the website. He <laughs> lapped everybody, and he's in his mid-sixties. He lapped mm. the entire field, and that's what I love about it. They just <laughs> masters athletes. To me, the ones I've spoken with, like they just don't brag about it. Mm. I think if, if yeah. I if I won something. Everybody would know about it. I, I would be every social media platform. i will go on TikTok. and I'd, I'd get accounts on everything and go, look, I won something, which, which I thought was, you know, I, I, I think that's fantastic. So to listen to that story of hope about there's a whole new world out there, which is Masters Athletics, if you like, that really gives me a lot to look forward to. So it's inspirational. You know, writing the book, first of all, it brings
2: inspiration. Yeah, well, that's fantastic to hear. Thank you. Thank you very much. But, you know, I think, I think, you know, there are some, a lot of the characters in the book are really inspiring people. And and one detail is not the most inspiring thing about the people, but, yeah, they're bloody good, some of them. Yeah, and the actual athletic standards, when you look at them and see what 65-year-old, you know, I was running this race against this um, Scottish, yeah, I was in the same race. He was in a different age group. So I was 62, he was 65, Alistair Walker. 10k. He was, you know, running 34 something or something like that. I mean, oh, it was just, I mean, you think how can you, how can that be possible? That people and 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 then you look at the world records all the way up through the age groups, and people are doing these, you know, most astonishing things. And one one thing that I got quite interested in writing the book was that, like. You too, you know. I started off thinking, well, you start off by doing your 5k and then you go up to 10k and then maybe half marathon, then marathon and do some ultras, etc. I suddenly sort of gone full circle and suddenly got gone back to looking at what people do over the shorter distances. Mm. And yeah, I've said, yeah, well, that's the whole me. thing. Yeah, the whole, there's this whole thing among middle aged men. Yeah, if you want to do that sort thing of you know, running 400 meters in less than your age in seconds, so you know, if you're, yeah. If you're fifty, you've got to do it in under fifty seconds. If you're seventy, you've got to do it in under seventy seconds. I mean, I can begin to get anywhere near that, but there's all these no. people who keep doing it, and some of them going way, way under that. Um, I mean, it, it just sounds like numbers,
0: but it, that's ridiculous. I saw something on on Facebook this week. I think the world record for 400 meters for a seventy-year-old has just been broken by two by two seconds. Seventy-year-old did it in sixty did it in sixty-one seconds bloody hell. 61 seconds to mm. do 400 metres. Yeah. That's remarkable. But that's that's athlete standard.
2: Yeah. At yeah, the age I'm... of 70. Mm.
0: Wow. I just, it, it just blows my mind. And I think you touched in the book about Steve Peters as well. His training yes. methods yeah. are like yeah. completely <laughs> polarised to what I expected. Do you want to tell us more about that? Because he, that sounded like an interesting conversation.
2: Well, he's this guy who people might know from other things, like, you know, he wrote this, he was a sports psychologist for all sorts of People including British cycling, and he's a um, he wrote this book, The Chimp Paradox, which is about sort of we how... spoke about this on the, yeah, on right. the show before, sure, yeah, yeah, okay. But among we, among other things, he's also this sort of champion master sprinter, and he sort of took it up fairly late in life and he runs 100 meters, 200 meters, 400 meters, and he just he's you know, world champion again and again and again, as I understand it, yeah, you know, by my standards, he barely does any training, it's all about just doing very, very tiny amount of very very intense training they will not do anything half speed or just three times a week maybe just a very very short i mean almost comically short session on the on the on the track but the i think that one of the broad principles that every older athlete needs to get on board with is that you know as you get older your body gets worse and worse at coping with a volume of training you know it's just high mileage every day but it can still cope with intensity so if you reduce the volume and give yourself more rest days and things like that more easy days you can still train very very intensely and that seems to be one of the big secrets that the, the old you know the people who really thrive in later life as runners use
1: mm.
0: fascinates me how the body can still have that kind of fast switch muscle fibre, that, that muscle memory if you like, where it can still run fast. And I, I wonder how much of that is psychological, where people tell themselves that I can't run fast anymore. And and I don't know. I think it's that maybe it is denial in my on, on my part. I just don't want to get older. I want to be like a Peter Pan in that respect. But it's just it just fascinates me some of the scientific research behind that. It's like the things that we thought we knew were wrong.
2: Yeah. And the body ages. I th- I think we've we've certainly all been conditioned to think well, conditioned to think older runners have to be slow, plus the whole thing of, you know, you're old, take it easy. You know, don't just you'll, you'll do yourself an injury. Just go easy on yourself. But in fact, I think it's very clearly established that one of the reasons older runners are slow is because they never try running fast. And so naturally you get, you find it, if you haven't tried running fast for five years, you're going to find it really difficult to run fast. But if you then build up slow, build up slowly, and this is a crucial thing to, to putting in more effort, then you can actually improve an, an enormous amount. Yeah, there's one guy I interviewed for Alan Carter who was he was just coming up to 70, or maybe just turned 70, um, but around that point, and he took about 14 seconds off his 400 meter time in less than a year, simply by changing the way he trained. I mean, it was unbelievable. Pre- previously, he'd just been thinking, "I'm getting slower. I've got to push myself harder." And then, then he started trying to be a bit smarter about it and just, you know, let the body recover, realize that, well, there's one coach who was talking to me about, I mean, you probably found this, that, if, you know, if you injure yourself or if you, if you cut yourself, you know, cut or a graze, and if you cut or cut yourself when you were a kid, you know, it would be gone within a day or two. Now you, you know, I've got scars and I think I did that six months ago and it's, <laughs> it's, still, it's still clearing up. Yeah, the body just doesn't recover so fast, but it does recover. And there's you know, sort of two almost contradictory messages. Yeah, um, fascinating the next minute. But the other thing people warn against, though, is a lot of us have this sort of memory, this sort of memory in our heads that we're still 21, or we can still do what we could do when we were 21. And if you... Guilty. <laughs> right? I mean, with a bit of luck, you're know, sort of smart enough and have been running long enough to... To be able to do any changes in what you do gradually, but if you say you've you know, done nothing at all through middle age, you suddenly think I'm going to take up running again, and you can remember how you used to run when you were in your twenties. There's quite a danger of injuring yourself very quickly because you don't start by taking it easy. So you know you do. There is this sort of need for a sensible, patient progression when you're when you're training. Yeah, there's there's there's, a, there's an element of logic to it, isn't there? Where
0: um, mm. I think those a lot of running coaches will say you know the 10% rule don't go 10% further or harder than you've done in the previous week for example and i get mm. that but there's mm. you know you you kind of touched on something there which which i think which is is really which is really fascinating and this came out of running free for me it's like it's the joy of running it's the holy shit my body's moving really fast and it feels fantastic it's like mm. i'm not thinking anymore i'm just enjoying mm. this this intensity mm. for me but also um Dave, we were talking about this early early in the week. I have have this theory that being competitive isn't a bad thing. It's just, and when we're talking about older runners or aging runners or masters athletes, for for example, you can't be an athlete and not be
1: competitive, or can you? What do you think, Dave? I think, so it depends on what you define as an athlete. We've had a conversation in the past that anybody who does anything to a certain level, you could say you're an athlete, but then they, you could say, mm-hmm. well, you've got the professional athlete or a, or, or a, or a non-professional professional athlete. The, so the running, the mountain biking, the gym, everything I do is not – it's more for me – for well, one, I love it to bits. I really, really enjoy it, mm-hmm. and it's really, really good for my mind so if I was ever going to be competitive, I guess I'm not competing against anybody else. It would only be against myself. Mm-hmm. But I find that stressful. So an example of this would be, be being if you two guys said, right, Dave, we're going to go and do a half marathon tomorrow. We'll meet at about 10-ish. Let's go and run. On the money." I'd turn up and go. No stress, happy days. If you told me that we're going to do the Manchester Marathon tomorrow and we've got to be there on a particular time, that would stress me out. I would I would do it with you but I would find the whole experience stressful. And the night before, my approach would be completely, I wouldn't be chilled. You know, I'd, I'd be getting, mm. I probably wouldn't sleep the best. And then I've got to get there and I've got to be there at a time and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. That would stress me out. That. Mm. So and I am competitive in a way that I want to go and do it, but not from a, I don't know, Data
2: perspective. Does if, if, that, if that makes sense? Mm. I mean, if, and if you, when you, do, if you were doing that race, is that the Manchester Marathon, say tomorrow? How hard would you push yourself? Like, would you flog it? Would you just take it easy or flog yourself to the absolute limit?
1: I'd flog it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's,
2: because, that's... because, I'd,
1: in my own head, I'd be going right. This is where I'm currently at. Over that distance, if I'm just, I normally do it in that time. This is the time I'm doing it in. And if I'm doing it in that time, I'm not doing it over that time or I'm coming under it. So that to me is is just like oh takes it away. At the end of it, i will be buzzing. Mm. Don't get me wrong. But everything up and going into it would be quite stressful. And going back to why I started, I mean, running for me is the best, enables me to do everything else. Mm. The mountain biking, the gym, it enables me and even day to day, if I'm working on something, just put you know, if I wanted to stop, I go, hang on. Deal with that, deal with this just a little bit further, always a little bit further, just keep pushing it. It pushes me on in everyday life. It, it, it's like in my DNA, it affects everything. But I'm at a crossroads. I think I'm at a crossroads, basically, of taking it from not being competitive with myself to being competitive with myself because I'm worried that I'm going to be plateauing soon and I know I've got more. Mm-hmm. I know I've got more, but I don't know how many years. I'm going to have that more for. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need That's to read. You need to read that book because <laughs> it's a pretty good book, by the way. When we're talking
0: about being competitive, I don't just mean being competitive as an athlete. I mean just being competitive in life. There's this thought that when people talk about being competitive, it's framed upon. It's like it's not a quality people like to talk about. But I don't know. I've got I've got a different feeling to it. I just think in life in general, we need to be competitive. Not a not to compare with others and go, oh, Dave can run further than me or Richard can run faster than me. I don't mean that. What I mean is like being competitive as I want I just want to constantly improve. That's what life's about as far as I'm concerned. It's like, so So being competitive is can you continue to improve and, and strive and aspire in different areas of your life by being competitive or do you take like the Buddhist, Taoist approach and go path of least resistance?
1: Are we not using the right? I don't know if we're using the right terminology there. What do you mean? If competitive for me is to compete, let me think. Compete against yourself, Oh, in the basic, to compete against an individual to be better than them. Whereas what you're potentially talking about
2: there, Andy, is is ongoing pushing yourself to constantly. But sometimes, improve. sometimes you can use the two things together, can't you? So that you know, you're running in a race, and if I was London, running in a London marathon. I had no idea where I would come. Yeah, I would be somewhere in so many thousands mm. that it wouldn't make any difference if I was fifty places yeah. sooner or but. But you still, when you're trying to get your best performance, you think I've got to overtake the person in front and the person in front and the person in front. Yeah, it's not that's really bit, about yeah. beating yeah. them. Yeah, it's just about yeah. getting the best out of
0: you. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, I, I think yeah. that's 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 yeah. where I'm going with that. Is that it's a it's a great example. You know, if you're in a kind of race, for want of a better description you've got a target, you know, that this person's roughly my age or this person's slightly older, slightly younger. doesn't matter. Yeah. It pushes me on to be a mm. better version of me. If I didn't have anybody to, yeah. to compare with, I wouldn't know what was good or what wasn't good. That's what yeah. I mean by competition. Not to yeah. beat, but just at yeah. least to give a yeah. measurement of, well, oh, actually, I, I should be pushing harder. If, if Richard's, say, 10 years older than me and he's doing 10K in this time, why can't I, for example?
1: Mm-hmm. yes yeah, that's, that's yeah. what
0: i
2: mean by competitive nice. being competitive i it's frowned upon being competitive though isn't it there's good competitive and bad competitive probably so a bit like the sort of argument people sometimes have about children's sport and how parents and schools and coaches make that too competitive mm-hmm. because they're making winning at all costs the only thing that matters and rather than letting children become competitive at their own pace as it were and you know discover competition when they're ready for it so you get these sort of you know Football matches or whatever, and the parents are all shouting at their children, "Don't make that mistake! You know, you've got to win." Blah blah blah, and that and that denies the children the the space to sort of become competitive in their own right. Almost they're doing mm. it for other people. But I think the com- competition where you're trying to get the best of it, out of yourself, it, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it's it's not always very welcome. I I quite I don't race very often because whenever I do race, I can never take it easy and <laughs> it always leaves me you know, getting totally trashed afterwards and I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really particularly welcome it but well what, i kind of sensed that right yeah, yeah I I From chapter
0: right. 22 of running free everyone suddenly started running right right
2: <laughs> yeah that was a um that's my a guilty secret <laughs> should I, should I tell, tell them about that I, chapter yeah yeah, go ahead. It, yeah, it was no, describing go ahead. how you know, years ago, and we were on this sort of family camping holiday in, in Wales, and there were about I don't know about sort of six grown ups and eight children or something like that, and we were all playing on the beach, and a couple of the elder grown ups were ex run, you know, sort of semi runners, and I was a runner, and we suddenly decided to have a race to the other end of the beach. I don't know, it was probably only about four or five hundred meters away, and we organised this handicap race, so you know, I was at the back because I was supposed to be the fittest, and then you know the other runners. The various stages, and then the children in front, and then the very smallest child right at the front. And then we also very go and ran off. And the, I think the dogs ran off as well, and they finished first. And I was right at the back, and I, for some reason, I was determined to overtake my friends. And I was sort of running barefoot on the sand, and I was, I suddenly felt I was running really well. It just, everything seemed to click, and I thought, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. This is how running should be. And I started overtaking more and more. And and we're getting nearer and nearer to the rock that was the finishing line. I sort of I started overtaking the children. And I was thinking, hey, Maybe you shouldn't do that. But on the other hand, yeah, you know, I was just enjoying myself too much. <laughs> I mean, it ended up with you know, no one in front of me apart from this sort of little six-year-old or something like that. And I was like, I've got to run that little bastard down. And I just sprinted. <laughs> and just managed to, just as he was about to celebrate, I managed to beat him just before the rock. And I was, <laughs> and I was really pleased with myself. I thought that's the best. In running free, i that's the best race I ever ran. But I'm, obviously, it was slightly over-competitive <laughs> from other that's points. That's brilliant. But the other thing I was going to say about competition, is, you know, what you were saying suddenly reminded me of when I was researching the race against time, I spent quite a lot of time talking to Paul Sinton-Hewitt, the guy who founded Park Run, And in fact, I ended up not using most of the interview, although it was really, really interesting. But there was one bit where I said to him, so, you know, when you were a good runner, how good were you exactly? And he said, well, yeah, basically I was a two and a half hour marathon runner. But then he admitted that he'd actually never Uh, gone on. He'd he'd actually never gone under two and a half hours. He'd done about, I don't know, two thirty-five or something like that. And then the one time he was all poised to get under 230, he got a terrible injury, and that's when he sort of couldn't run for and started part run instead. uh, But so he, but he thought of himself as a two and a half hour marathon runner. And and this made me laugh because you know, if you are, if you said to me, you know, so how good were you when you were a young runner? I'd have said, well. Yeah, basically, I was a, a sub three hour. Marathon. You know, it wasn't that good, but I could break three hours for a marathon. But wow. the only catch was, I but I never did. I never actually did that. Um. The best time I ever recorded in a race <laughs> was, you know, I think it was three fifteen or something like that. But yeah. but in my heart, I know, I you know, I could have been a three hour if I had, you know made the best of everything I had and really tried and not you know not gone easy on myself. So yeah. and you know, initially I thought, well. This is this pathetic sort of special runner's form of self-deception that, you know, we kid ourselves Mm. a little better than we are. But then later I thought, no, it's not. It's a form of runner's honesty, that you know in your heart what you could be. And a lot of the time we probably don't admit to ourselves what you could be if you you really tried, if you really made the Mm. best of ourselves. But, you know, I think that's something, you know, running helps us to achieve that sort of honesty. But, you know, deep down we do know that maybe we could do a bit more. Yeah, you know, as runners or in or other ways as well.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I get it. I think for me, not just running, but any, any form of competition mm-hmm. is, for me, is he, healthy because it he, he kind of mirrors other things in life. You know, if I can work hard at my running or my cycling or my mm-hmm. swimming or whatever, then surely if I applied that level of effort in my career or Developing myself in other areas of my life, then hmm. I shouldn't feel like an imposter anymore, you know. I, I sh- and I think for me, that's what running does. It, there's, there's an escape in running where, you know, I don't, and I do look at the numbers. You know, I am I am a Strava wanker for that. <laughs> everything is analyzed, I'm <laughs> going. You know what? <laughs> right. There's a segment there, and for my age group, I'm the fastest in my age group in the whole of Oldham.
2: Wow, so that's me. That's me. That's me
0: to, I'm, I'm, I'm make, making up, and I've got a segment. I've I've got a, a KOM. I, I need to brag about, on Strava, which is old and Park Run uh, sprint finish, by the way. Nobody at any age group has beaten me in this just yet. I think Strava got it wrong, but I'm taking it. And I won a race at a part Run local. I think it was all, similar to your experience on the beach there, Richard, in <laughs> South Wales. I think only 10 people turned up and they're all like older than me, or very, very younger. I thought, you know what? I'm having it. I don't care how old right. I'm. <laughs> I'm yeah. having it. I'm actually going to win a race for the first time in my life. And in the last few hundred meters, I'm like, I kept looking over my shoulder, thinking, is that is that kid anywhere? Near? Anyway, <laughs> um, so I, I like I like being competitive. Dave, you were nodding your head there when uh, Richard was talking about football. You know, the, the competition at football with children. Is that uh, is that bringing some? Uh, some oh yeah. In? Tell us
1: more. That is next level. that that's next level. well, it it is, isn't it? I mean, you've got kids that are very good at what they do and they're playing at a certain level. but then you've got parents on the sideline, I think that are reliving or trying to live the experience through their kids of something that they've never necessarily mm. achieved mm. or wanting them to be where they currently are, thinking that within a year they're going to be a lot further on. it's it's honestly, it's it's really, really interesting rather than just letting them enjoy the journey and enjoy being on the journey with them, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it gets too much pressure, you know, and you get too much pressure. Like, we probably put on ourselves sometimes, like, you know, Andy, you looking at all your stats and everything. Sometimes that must take some of the enjoyment. Well, for me, that must take some of the enjoyment out of it and also, I don't know, put a bit of pressure on. However, however... I may be starting to think differently around that. Again, looking back to my own circumstances as going, well, if I'm currently in and I can go further, then maybe I need to start looking at that in order for me to then go further because you mm. need to be able to benchmark market and compare it against something, you know, Yeah. in order to, you know, to, push on that little bit more and that could be as that could be as details as tra- looking at all the data that's been tracked or just going right i'm going to do an extra four pull-ups or an extra 15 sit-ups or this time i've just done 15 miles i'll stick an extra mile on the end of it you know or i'll run more that week it it's just it's going back again what you said richard it's going back to that you know just that 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 little bit more what what is it what is it and knowing oh we're capable of it, we're absolutely capable of it, but we don't always, we don't push ourselves to it. And maybe for me now, again, it goes back to that middle-aged. It's because I used to, you know, I grew up as a kid, everything was 100 mile an hour, you know, fitness, Mm. training, Mm. work, partying, the full shebang, Mm. takes Mm. its toll in your late 30s where it's like, right, you've got to sort your shit out here now, Dave. Mm. And now to where I am now, which is probably, and I've got aches, you know, uh, my shoulder drives me mad, mm-hmm. my back, you know, my knees, the bottom of my back, but you get used to that pain and and sort of push through it. And I'm probably I'm probably one of the, you know, at a stage in my life in me at 47 where I, I'm the fittest. I've been in a long, 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 mm-hmm. long time, you know, physically and mentally. I'm thinking, you know, when we're talking about age, mm-hmm. I'm going, what could I be when I'm 50? What could I be mm-hmm. when I'm 55? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself that if I keep the engine strong and, you know, on the bone density and everything like that, then I stand a better chance of living longer and being able to do things for longer. I I do have the fear of, oh, what's going to happen when I can't do that? And what's going to happen when I can't do that? Mm. Well, if I get to that stage and I can't do it, at least I've done it, though. That's the thing. Mm. At least I've done it. I've not got Mm. there going,
2: I can't do that, and I never did it. Yeah, yeah. No, the other thing is, is the sort of good it does. you just just trying. So, you know, just believing that you can yeah. achieve improvement. Because oh, the bad news is that I'm afraid, you know, things are going to get worse. All those aches and pains are going to get worse. They're, you know, you'll start encountering more problems. You won't, all other things being equal, you're going to get a bit slower every every year or so. And you're going to be able to do fewer press-ups and, you know, fewer miles, etc. But if you keep trying, the decline will be much, much slower. Plus, actually, in order to achieve that reduced decline, you have to develop this really positive attitude. I think just going back to Feet in the Clouds, my fell running book, one of the things that I really liked about fell running was finding that, you know, as a soft stubborn, I went out and started doing long-distance runs in the mountains. My first few experiences of it were horrific, you know, getting out there, you know, running for a few hours until I was utterly on, you know, my legs just completely stopped working lost in the freezing mm. cold and the wind and the fog and thinking i just can't i haven't got anything left i'm empty but then realizing that well you know tough because you're still out on the mountain so you may be empty but you've got to find something else and <laughs> yeah. and you know discovering that in fact if, if you dig deep enough you have got a bit more to give than you than you thought and yes, i think one of the yes. demoralizing things about getting older <laughs> is that you get into this sort of middle-aged state of mind where you think right i'm getting older now i've got to run so i've got to take it easy it mustn't be too demanding on myself and mm-hmm. and you get out of the habit of sometimes you know taking on things that maybe it's not such you know maybe they're a bit beyond you but i think it's, it's just really great every now and then to just take on set yourself on challenge whether it's in running or in something completely different where mm-hmm. you know and a sensible friend might look at it and say well i wouldn't try that if i were you that's going to be a bit <laughs> a, a, a bit of a stretch but you okay. think well sort of i'm gonna try and yeah and then every now and then you find that actually yes, you, you, nice. it's beyond it wasn't beyond you. you can you can you have got more than you thought so that you know fell running was great for that but i think also you know just confronting the challenge of of getting older and, and trying to fight it is, is another way of doing it and you're just setting mm. yourself goals and challenges and, and targets yeah i love that just
0: um just on that we were talking about being in the clouds I remember you were describing you know, vomit or something with your training group when you when you first started fell running
2: oh very possibly
0: yeah. About <laughs> yeah wow but that it reminded me of that what you were just saying there is like you know sometimes it, in life it's just a bit too easy to quit isn't it you know there's there's so many things around us that make it easy to just go oh yeah, like i'm just going to start out mm. in a bloody big mountain I've got to get back. You've got to get back. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I get back, or yeah, yeah. I might that's die. The beauty. <laughs> you know, that's the beauty it's, it's, of it. It's as black and white yeah. as that. And another, and another thing as well, which we haven't spoke about. You've done the Bob Graham, Dave. You know, you, you know the Bob Graham, don't
1: you? I, that's just. That's just. Yeah. Oh my word! And the and the lady that did the double Bob as well. I'm just like that's just like bonkers. Like bonkers. Yeah.
0: Did you set out to do the Bob Graham? Was that? I mean, and obviously, you no, know, that that kind of lays into the book. Very, it's, it's it's kind of to me, it's like the core of the book. But did you set out to do that when you were, you know, a soft southerner? For example, did you think, yeah? I'd I think like I, to heard, do the Bob I first sometime?
2: got I first got into the into fell running because I think a friend of mine who was attending the Bob Graham himself just wanted me to come along and help, and he knew I was a runner and I like going out in the hills, so he thought maybe I'd be able to run in the fells, and that was when I. And I thought this 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 sound seems easy. Just go up the mountain and run a bit. It's great. <laughs> and then I realised quite how incredibly tough and difficult it was. And I think yeah, at some point I just decided after that, well, maybe I'll have a go myself. I mean, you know, how difficult how difficult can it be? And that was a classic example of you know setting yourself a target that really is mm. in my case it was totally beyond me. And it was you know I had to. Just for the benefit of
1: of the listeners, the the Bob Graham is a sixty six mile, twenty seven thousand feet circuit of forty two of the highest peaks in the Lake District in twenty four hours.
2: Yeah, you had to get under twenty
1: four hours, which <laughs> that's just um, like that's just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's like saying let's go and do Everest a couple of times yeah, that's just next
2: level man. But I mean one one of the scary things, I, I, well two scary things, so one scary thing is that you look at what some of the young fell runners can do these days and it just puts that mm. in the shade, you know they're just so much faster and better equipped and better trained and better prepared mm. and, and fitter and yeah, you know, and they ne- have, believe that they can do more and they, and they do more. God, what's the first thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's your age. It's my no. Well, the, yeah, it's my age. Yes. You no. Know, the other, thing, the other scary thing is actually just looking back and and thinking I can't believe I used to be able to do that. And mm. when in in Race Against time, I mean, the first chapter of that actually describes how me and a bunch of my mates who I used to do bell running with 25 years earlier, back in up when I was trying to Bob Crown. we went up and we were sort of running a bit of the course again. And yeah, most of the people who used to do it couldn't even get up on the fells at all. They've you know, given up running, and they've given up. And some were not even very mobile anymore. But the few of us who did run, God, it was knacking. We hardly did any of it. We did a, a bit of it, but you know, it was just so much harder than it used to be. It was really scary when you're comparing, you know, the same mountains. Yeah, you know. mm. I mean, I literally was sort of thinking maybe the as the mountains got bigger, have they changed them? Have they <laughs> rearranged them or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh. so, so yeah,
2: a, a lot of the stuff we used to do when we were young, yeah, you know, like you're saying, you know, partying or working on, yeah, you know, the whole way you used to, yeah, you know, when you're younger, mm. you are physically you're a different yeah, person defo. in all respects, apart from the person inside, and that's unfortunately the same person.
0: You just reminded me of, 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 of something which we, we've spoke about a little bit on the podcast. Is you know, when we get older, we, we're meant to be, or you know, society tells us this is what we're meant to be. You know, as you get older, you get. You get a bit later. She like start losing your marbles a little bit, and you you know you become less mobile, etc. But I think we've kind of agreed that I don't really care. You know, I I want to have fun. You know, mm-hmm. Dave, you still go to gigs, don't you? You know, what, what's wrong with what's wrong with mm-hmm. partying every now and again? And I think this is where running for me is like a really good parallel when it comes to life in 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 general. It's 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 joyous. You know, it's this. It's mm-hmm. not just about numbers. I'm not always just on, on numbers. Sometimes I just love going out and having a run and then worrying about everything else afterwards. Yeah. For me, and, and this is a chapter I read before, is like when you're just hurtling down a hill and you just let the handbrake off and you go, holy shit, I yeah. could fall and die at any time now, but this yeah. feels fantastic. Feel like a kid again. That to me, when you're closer yeah. to death, you feel more alive at that point. That's for me what I'm, what I've become. That's my addiction at the moment. It's like I want to, I want to feel a little bit afraid every now and again. I think it's good to have a little bit of fear in your life because getting old isn't, you know, isn't. It doesn't sound good, but actually, mm. you know, that book gives us a little bit of hope. Actually, you can find joy, and it's something I found in, in Race Against Time. Is that some people's lives have completely changed, not just in the 30s and 40s, but some people, you know, they've, they've gone the whole life, li- married to somebody. And then, you know, in the 60s or even 70s, they find becoming an athlete, you
2: know. Yeah, yeah, that's an amazing thing, yeah. And um, people start holding each chapters in their lives, yeah, 70s, 80s, 90s. And and what's inter- one of the things that's interesting is just the way, you know, running always helps people. It always gives gives something to people's lives. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to come up with something really I thought it was fun. going to say something interesting. <laughs> I couldn't... I couldn't. <laughs>
0: I, I think we, we, we need to start wrapping up in a bit. And honestly, I could, i said this a lot, but I could really talk with you all day about stuff like this. I'm, 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 I am I'm a fanboy, I'll be honest with you. And whilst this isn't a podcast about running, it's about growing old disgracefully. I think this is exactly the kind of thing that we talk about I regularly. Just remember just, what, I just remember
2: what I was going to say now, actually. Go for it. No, it's just when you were talking about how we're condi- you know, conditioned to think that when we're old, we have to behave in an old way. Mm. There's this play I think he's an 83-year-old English guy who lives in New Zealand now. Roger Robinson, who I quote a few times in the book, and he's a, a really good. He's been a really good masters runner, and he's. I think he's had two knee replacements, and he's got the world record for over 80s 10k or something like that. That might be an exaggeration, but he's certainly got the world record for doing two knee replacements. But he he says that he's been doing masters seriously for years, and he's got he's got. So used to people some looking at him, you know, flogging himself to death on the track during training or something like that, or, or doing his sprint finishes, desperately competitive. And people always look at him disapprovingly and sort of say, you yeah, know, you're an old mm. man, you shouldn't be doing this. And he says, there are two things you get. One of them is people saying, you shouldn't be doing this, it doesn't look good. And the other thing is, you shouldn't do this, you'll, you'll make yourself ill, you'll do yourself an injury. And he said, yeah, yeah. this is exactly what they used to say to women. 50 years ago. And the yeah. interesting thing about him is he's, well, one of the interesting things about him is he's, he's married to Catherine Switzer, who was the first, the first woman to run in the Boston Marathon back in the oh, 1960s yeah. and became a sort of yeah. icon for women's equality in, in running. And she, mm. and she agrees that, you know, it is exactly the same thing. And when she was running in the Boston Marathon, women, yeah, you know, often it was the women who were most disapproving of her doing it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of controversy oh. at the time. And others were just looking at how thinking, you know, what is this? A woman running in a race? You know, they could, so almost couldn't understand what they were seeing. And it's the same sort of thing now, where the social expectations that old people should just sit quietly or get into their care home and mm. you know, not do anything dangerous or difficult. But actually, you know, just because we're over fifty or over sixty or over seventy, you know, we're still the same people inside. And yeah. you only have one life. We want, we want to live it. I don't want it to sort of suddenly go home and you know just go and wait in the departure lounge as it were. And... yeah that. i love yeah. that and
0: i think that that's that's probably one of the reasons why we do this podcast is because we just like to share our experiences and our opinions on things and mm-hmm. these are the kind of things people don't talk about very often growing old disgracefully and i think that's become kind of our strapline for for talking cod I promised my friends I'd ask a few questions, Mm -hmm. um, but we'll try and keep them as quick fire as possible if that's okay. okay. Phil's not on at the moment, so we'll be able to do quick fire. (laughs) Sorry, Phil. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) He's recording (laughs) it. Yeah, yeah. We'll be back in a minute. Give him a couple of minutes. He might be listening now. He might just just pop on and go, I've been listening to this. Quick fire questions. So this goes to to you as well, Dave, and I'll have an answer ready for this. This is from my uh, endurance coach and triathlon coach, Ian Mostyn. Hey, Ian. See you soon. If you could run with anyone in history, who would it be? Who's going for
2: Emil Z- Zatopek? I knew you'd say that. Sorry, yeah, yeah You one. should write a book about it. Oh, oh, I did. I did. It's called The Day We Darned I know. <laughs> you know Shameless plug. I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely. Why? Why is that Zatopek?
2: Because he was just the most interesting runner. I, I mean, he was in addition to sort of you know revolutionizing. He was the yeah only person who won. Three Olympic distance medals at the same games—five you know, thousand, 10000 marathon. and marathon—and he sort of totally revolutionised distance running in the nineteen forties and nineteen fifties. But the thing about him, he was just the most amazing, charismatic, warm, inspiring sort of human character. Um, and he made friends with all his rivals. He made friends with people from every nation. Right at the height of the Cold War, this Czechoslovakian from beyond the Iron Curtain. Yeah, it was this force for the greatest run of the world to ever seen, and yet for him, running wasn't this wasn't a means of winning medals and glory or riches. It was a me, it was a vehicle for friendship. I'm just, mm. just certain he would have been great company on a run if yeah. I'd been able to keep up with him, which obviously would have been a problem.
0: <laughs> Fantastic, Dave. What about yourself? who do you want to run
1: with? Um, Mine won't necessarily be a runner, but it'd be somebody that does like. Endurance based or really extreme stuff. And he's somebody that I've probably started, I've only started really following him in the probably in the last maybe three or four years. But a chap called Aldo Kane, who's uh, he's ex SAS, ex SAS, and now he does a bit of presenting and stuff now, but also does a lot around, gets brought in to support extreme expeditions and things like that. So maybe, maybe him because it's just more, it's not just, it's everything else that would come with it. And I'd, I, even when you're running, i just like to listen to some of his, you know, what he's been up to and, mm. you know, and his thoughts and how he does and why he does it and how he's able to do it.
0: Yeah, I like that. So so it's less about the runner, it's more about the person then?
1: Yeah, because, oh, well, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, well, I think so, yeah, because I guess... Richard, from your perspective, running's like massive for you and maybe for yourself, Andy. Mine's is I guess say a part of a lot of other stuff that i that I like to do, like in, in, in a in a bigger mix of things. So although I quite like to have a chat with Elite Kids Joey, you know, just to just to was thinking little oh, um, shit man a little bit boom. I mean, what? I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah,
0: and he's just—he's—he's he's kind of the banister banister of uh, of the marathon world, isn't he? Just
1: breaking boundaries all the time.
0: Doesn't it seem to be aging either. I think he's—he's he's got freakish genes, oh.
1: but brilliant. Oh, Nicky—is it Nicky? is she called Nicky Spinks? She did the double Bob Graham, Yeah, she? Yeah, She'd be pretty Just brilliant. her story, yeah. yeah, yeah, just her story. Yeah, her story of surviving cancer. I'm just like, wow. I, I, again just a complete, I don't know, feats of awesomeness. Mm. I mean, I mean, Richard, I, I'd, like Andy said before, I'd, I'd love to sit down and sort of see you over a beer and go, right, tell me about it when you did it. What were it like? Just to, just to, just like, holy shit. But, but one of the, one of the interesting
2: that? things is, um, one of the great things about running is actually, if you go for a run with someone, it's such a great way of talking to people. I mean, you, know, you mm. it's yes, a bit it's, like, where, is. I don't know if you, I really have children, I doubt that, but there's this thing that your children, teenage children, will never talk to you. But if you're driving in the car with one, you know, and you're both facing forward side by side, mm. you suddenly kind of you do talk yeah, about things yeah. you don't talk about other things. I think going, with a run, going for a run, thing, you talk about things that you wouldn't talk about in
1: mm. in other circumstances. You do. you do, yeah, it's cool, man. Absolutely. Which
0: reminds me of um, I've put a proposal into local Triathlon Club to put a talking group together. Yeah. But rather than a running group because yeah. there's lots of running groups, but put a talking group together. So you could walk, you could jog, you can run if you want to, but the purpose of us getting together is to talk and yeah. the running and all the jogging will yeah, just be, nice. you know, secondary to that. So yeah. hopefully we'll hear more about that soon. For for me, well, there was a few which sprung to mind. I've obviously got the opportunity to think about this. Kip Chogib was one of the ones I thought of. I'd love to train with Steve Ovett because if you just, I just loved watching him run. just the most perfect yeah. runner as far as I was concerned. But then again, Seb Cole wasn't bad, was he? <laughs> um, or, or Steve Cram, for that matter. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to run with... With, with a really good athlete, because I, I just wouldn't be able to keep up, wouldn't be able to talk. So I think possibly Richard Asquith, because he seems like <laughs> a really interesting guy. He's done a lot. I think you could learn keep, a lot from each other. anyway. I like, it. With,
1: anyway, I like it.
0: it. Oh, don't be daft. Yeah, I think yeah, you beat yeah. me. Uh, but I'm not competitive. So uh, that's, who I, that's who I would run with. If the offer's available, because it sounds like Dave will be interested in coming coming
1: running with you. I'd do a bit. Well up for that, boys. Fine. Won't your a thing? Yep.
0: If he can fit us in, sure. I've got another uh, another question, and this has come from John Fair from Right and Roll Runners. Um, We're we'll doing a long run with him tomorrow. So, after watching so many mature runners, what are the similar traits of masters athletes, and what tips could be passed on to the aging recreational club runner?
2: I think there's two things. One is that they do tend to adopt certain sensible habits, like the sort of you know giving themselves time to recover, paying more attention to fueling. Paying more attention to balance, you know, doing regular balance exercises. Paying more attention to muscle, particularly because you know you tend to lose muscle much faster than you realize, and you have to start doing mm. resistance exercises to build muscle up. But much more, I think the thing that yeah, they're all they're all sorts of different approaches people take, and the only thing they all have in common is this unbelievably positive attitude, and mm. yeah, that's all there is to it. You, getting old is. Is no fun, yeah. And as a runner, the older you get, the harder it gets, and you get more aches and pains. Mm-hmm. And you know, being an old runner is tough, but it beats being an ex-runner. That's the main thing I would say. <laughs> and the other thing is, as that thing we were talking about earlier, that you, you have to be positive to keep doing it. You think, well, yeah, I'm fighting a losing battle, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you subsequently realize that by being in that frame of mind, you are actually able to enjoy. You, know, you get just so much more out of life when you're in that frame of mind. And most of us, you know, you can sort of yeah, flip definitely. between being in a positive, negative frame of mind very easily and almost without noticing. And So just having that thing that just flips you back on the right side, I think is mm. really, really healthy. So yeah, there's, there's no secret. It's just, it's tough, but it's worth it. Is It's the secret.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of, it's knowing yourself, isn't it? And knowing, yeah. knowing your body to that like degree, just getting smart, I suppose, isn't it? Great stuff. There was um, another question which John asked as Mm -hmm. well, but you've kind of answered the first part to it. And he said, how do you get the idea of writing a book? How easy is it to get a book published? He kind of answered that part. And he goes on to say, in the movies, there's always tension between the publisher and the author, meeting deadlines and getting writer's block. Is this something you've encountered?
2: Yeah, all the time. I mean, not so much with publishers. I mean, deadlines are incredibly stressful but they're also quite helpful because I think if I didn't have a publisher and a deadline, I would never finish a book because you're always you're always worried that it's not good enough and you're always worried that it could be better and you're always worried that maybe it wasn't a good idea in the first place. I think the real painful challenge I get with books every time I write them, and it's a bit like I've compared it in the past, a bit like when you, you race or something like that, you go out on a hard training run. You, know, you just started and then suddenly you think, oh, my God, what am I done? What am I letting myself in for? This is going to be a horrible disaster. <laughs> um, and and with a book, you can put quite a lot of work into it. And then you suddenly think, well, maybe this wasn't a very good idea after all. Or I can't see where it's going. Or, mm. you know, maybe it's just a complete waste of time. Everyone's going to think it's is boring and stupid. And so you have to have this mixture of, um, you know, it really helps to be self-critical. Just so it helps for a runner to be self-critical and know that, you know, I mm-hmm. could train a bit, but I'm not trying my hardest. I could try my harder. But at the same time, you have to have the opposite. You have to have this sort of belief that I can do this. I can complete the marathon or I can complete the book. It is going to be good. If I will get, I probably won't do absolutely 100% of what I dream of doing, but I'm going to try my best and, you know, mm-hmm. a bit of luck. It won't be too bad by the end. So I don't think any, much of attention actually comes from a publisher. I think it's much more self-imposed tension. Really? And you, right. and although you do then get to the publisher saying, "Come on, you've got a week left. and I don't care if it's ready or not. You've got to hand it in," and that mm. always does lead to quite a lot of grief. But without that, I would still be, I'd still be writing my first book now, 20 years later. You, know, you have, I, I think it's it helps really to have that sort of tension.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad you finished that first book because you wouldn't be on the show otherwise.
2: <laughs> I mean, you want not have shared exactly. so much
0: joy and knowledge and wisdom with us. That that's that's that that's a great answer. I honestly could carry on talking all day, but I don't think we'll be allowed to. And the editing costs will be going through the roof at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's only fair that we you know you we've been doing this all the way through the podcast, but it's only fair that we give you the opportunity to shout out for that for that book. So, where, where can people buy your books? And you know, what's the next steps?
2: Well, I guess you can get most of my books from most bookshops or on Amazon or whatever else you fancy. My latest book is called The Race Against Time, Adventures in Late Life Running. I do have a website, which is richardasquith.co.uk, but you have to remember that Asquith is spelled A-S-K-W-I-T-H, like the town in Yorkshire and not A-S-Q-U, or how the people use to spell it. That's about it, really. I haven't got much to... Sell, so, but I uh, have written these books, some of them about running, but not all about running. And yeah, I hope you like them. Brilliant.
0: I I love them. That's why you're on the that's why you're on the podcast. So thank you for that. Thanks for joining us as well. So so Dave, yeah, you, absolutely. You need, you need to do your bit, I think. Before before you do the, you know, the profound summary of what we've just been speaking about, which will be quite tricky. I just want to give a shout out to Pete who emailed us last week as well, just thanking us for the last episode on on regret. Um Yeah, nice man. Quite quite a personal quite a personal email, which obviously we won't share, but we do appreciate everybody who gets in touch with us. We, we do like to talk about things which, you know, other people may not feel comfortable talking about. So feel free to just drop us a line with some of those suggestions. So thanks again, Richard. And over to you, Dave, just to talk us out of the show. What's your summary and, and what do people need to do?
1: The summary for today, or my biggest takeaway for today, is we are always capable of more. And I'll be using that. I feel proper inspired. I, I want to go... I I've got to rush off and do the school and I think I'd rather go for a I literally go out for a run. That's how I feel at the moment, but I'm taking that we are always capable of more and that and I'll be using that for you know for the foreseeable but it's it's been awesome mate it's been awesome they're always good but super interesting today for me because obviously it's something that I'm, I'm I'm mega interested in and hopefully everybody else likes it you know from a from a listener's perspective as we always tee up when we're going if you like what you hear give us a like a share a comment you know and if you ever want to get in touch if you want to come on the pod pod itself or have got any ideas you know from a contributions perspective drop us an email at hello at talkingcod.com. brilliant
0: thank you for that Miss you, Phil. Richard, have you enjoyed it? Lovely. Yeah, great, great chat. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed myself. That's um, the right answer. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed us talking Cod, please give us a rating, leave us a review in your podcast app and subscribe now. Quick shout out to the guys at Dat Dip Productions, the folks pushing the buttons behind the scenes. Check them out at datdip.co.uk.
0: And thanks to Rubber Bear for our theme tune, Elements. Find the band on Spotify and SoundCloud. We'll see you next time for more talking code.